um, what was meant to be kind of the wind against me for uh, two or three hours ended up being 24 hours. So that was super intense. I barely, I barely moved the, the first 24 hours. Hello and welcome to The Good Chat, which is an interview series where we speak to activists, artists, athletes, anyone who has insights and experiences that will help empower and inspire others. Our guest today is Neela Juice. Thank you for being here, Neil. Um, Neil needs practically no introduction. He's a world record breaker, an environmental activist, an Olympian, and so much more. And today we'll be delving into, obviously, his recent world record of the non-stop um, unassisted swim for 52 hours between Linoza, Italy, and Gozo. And we'll delve into the challenges he faced and so much more than that. Uh, before that, I just want to thank our partners who are supporting this production. Tech.mt, People and Skin, and Gracie's Valletta were actually filming this episode. Neil, again, thanks for coming. Um, a few months ago, you have broken a world record, um, swimming non-stop, as I said, for 52 hours from Linosa, Italy, to Gozo. Um, I think many people wouldn't be able to do anything non-stop for 52 hours. I mean, I wouldn't be able to stay awake for 52 hours, let alone be out there, you know, facing the elements, facing rough seas, jellyfish. I mean, swimming at night. I think my first question is, why, <laughs> why would you even think about doing something that is so ambitious? Um, to, to be fair, like it's three years ago when I it kind of the oldest started was because I wanted to swim around Malta and that was the plan tick off my bucket list uh, so I'm around Malta and I'm done with kind of the swimming scene and move on from it and when I did the swim it was probably the hardest swim that I've done out of all of them because I kind of only prepared physically and not mentally for it I was not expecting what kind of mental challenges I will I will face through throughout the swim um, but something a few days later was like, what if you try and swim more? And what, what are the boundaries and limitations of a human? Is it what people say they are or can we create our own, you know? And three years later, I kind of found myself standing on a ladder in Linoza, looking out at sea, about to take on the biggest journey of my life. So it sparked something that swim around Malta in 2018, I believe. Yeah. Um, it sparked something in you. And to be honest, probably from, from the outside, it looked like that was the start when you wanted to sort of every year, because every year since then, first you swam around Malta, then you swam around Malta, Gozo the next mm -hmm. year, and then you swam from Gozo to Malta, was it? The I, did, I did. First I did around Malta, then I kind of said, okay, I need a, a breather, because it was pretty intense. But yeah. So I'll keep myself swimming and I'll just swim around Gozo. Mm -hmm just to kind of keep wave of change in people's minds as well, keep it active. Um, and after that, I swam from Sicily to Malta, which was 100 kilometers. And then last, a couple of months ago, I swam from Linoza to Malta, which was kind of last minute decision because the plan was to swim from Tunisia to Sicily. Okay, so you spurred two questions there. First is wave of change, um, which I want to ask you about. I read somewhere that the idea for wave of change came when you were swimming and you almost suffocated because of a plastic bag. Can you tell us more about, about how yeah. the, that yeah, idea came about? Basically, um, when it was my first time ever swimming at night, um, I was really surprised at how calm and quiet and there's nobody around and really beautiful to, to be in such serenity as well. And 
then I was swimming and I just swam into a plastic bag that engulfed my head and I kind of was really taken aback by it. At first I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> so um, it kind of was like the, I didn't realize then, but now I kind of know that kind of the ocean kind of gave me the message to, to, for me to be its voice. Amazing. And regarding the ocean, I know you have a very, very strong connection with the ocean and you talk about also drawing energy from the sun and from the moon as well at night and also from the ocean. Have you always been the spiritual? When, when did it start? Was it after the Gozo, the, the round Malta swim maybe? So no, I wasn't always spiritual. My, my partner was uh, a while before me and I kind of like, kind of you do your thing, I do my thing, that isn't my thing. Um, and after the round Malta, um, I started sitting with her a little bit and starting to to meditate as well and starting to realize the benefits from it and how you kind of give some time to yourself before you start your day is super important. We're super busy these days. Everyone has a million things happening, always looking at screens or picking up telephones or running errands. So it's nice to give some time just to yourself before, before all that happens for your day and you kind of set yourself up for a much more harmonious, uh, pleasant day as well. Because this is a completely unassisted swim, so I cannot touch the boat, I cannot hold on a float, I cannot have anything that is going to help me. So I use the things that are available to me. The moon at night gives me a lot of warmth. It's not the sun, but when you're that cold and that bright light, you can feel that little temperature change when it's there and when it's not there. It also uh, gives me a lot of uh, light because it's pitch black out there. Um, completely, completely dark. I can't see my hand in front of me when there isn't the moon. So, because you mentioned that the first swim you did around Malta was very challenging physically and you felt you prepared for it physically, but you didn't feel you prepared for it enough mentally. And then you wanted yeah. to kind of, it sparked something to start, you know, preparing mentally. What does that really involve though, preparing mentally? Like, do you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to swim from the nose. Like, do you tell yourself a yeah. hundred times a day it's going to happen, you know, do you write like it there's, down? There's um, visualization, so me visualizing everything from the sun setting, rising, setting again, rising, setting again, visualizing myself standing on the ladder in Lenosa, even though I've never been there. I, I was there, like when I was standing on it, it felt like a familiar place. So and then I also have um, listen, do meditations with, with um, songs and chants from the profound and profound prayers from the South American traditions. And so when I'm in this dark hole and I'm not in a good place while I'm singing, my team would play these songs, mm -hmm. play this, these chants that bring me to the light slowly, slowly, because um, once you're there and you're spiraling, like at what happened to me around Malta, me spiraling in my thoughts and in whatever is happening. Can you tell us more about that, what happened then? Yeah, basically, um, I, during the, in the darkness, it got, I was scared, I was very scared and I didn't have anything or didn't know what to do to get myself out of that, that thing. And it could be just one thought that passes through your mind and your mind catches on to it and it just keeps spinning around like in a washing machine, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And it happens to us on a, on a daily as well, you know, this. So we need to learn how to control these thoughts. And once we have these thoughts in our head, then what can we do? Do we have a set of things? Okay, if I'm feeling like this, when you have a headache, you take a Panadol so you don't have a headache. But what if you can, you're thinking about a certain situation and you have certain skills or you can sit down and meditate for 10 minutes and then you are no longer in that space and you are um, back to your normal self and carrying on with your day and it doesn't hinder you to what you need to achieve for that day. So when, when this happened, when you were spiraling, when you were swimming in the dark and you were scared, 
How did... I basically kind of told myself, kind of, you got yourself into it, deal with it, you know? And that was kind of... And did your team realize something was wrong? Yeah, I was much moodier. I was snapping at them. I was not... But how... Because, I mean, being like this, I can maybe see if you're moody. But if you're swimming, how can people see you moody? Because I have to stop every 29 minutes. I stop, I drink, and I eat. And obviously, at the same time, I'm not allowed to touch any boat. So the food is thrown to me. And in that one minute, um, I can t- speak to the team and tell them certain things. And yeah, I wasn't very happy. They like, would sense. They would sense. Yeah, that something. no, they would sense it. I would kind of. You can feel body language, especially um, when you're out there and it's. They have no other distractions, so they are fully focused on me. Mm-hmm. So then I could. Um, they could feel when I'm in a good place or when yeah. I'm not. And this was the first swim you, you yeah, talked the first about. Swim, the first and swim. what about this swim? Did you face similar challenges? Because I, I, I know you mentioned about hallucinations and I'd yeah. like you to go. And, and one thing you mentioned, because you mentioned jellyfish before, is that you, you kind of think about the jellyfish bites as giving you energy, yeah. which was quite incredible, I think, when it comes these to are, These are t- tools that yeah. kind of uh, I've come up with that kind of But to, to normal situation. human beings, as in not maybe <laughs> like you who have really trained yourself to really, I guess, put mind over, over matter, you know, yeah. to really think, I guess, to people, it might sound quite incredi- incredible to, you know, visualize it's something when that you is get stung pain. over hundreds of times by jellyfish. You kind of come up with a system that um, helps you get through them. But it shows the strength of mind as well. Yeah, right? yeah, no, the, s- the mind is very super powerful. It's, I, for me, it's the most powerful part of our our body. I mean, you could have. Like I'll be swimming for after 10, 12 hours and I feel my shoulders are really getting tired and really um, not happy and I still have uh, 40 plus hours to go and I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it, like my shoulders and then kind of I stop for that those 30 minutes, something else happens in the meantime and when I'm swimming I forget completely about my shoulders, so were they actually hurting me or have I created that situation thinking that they are hurting me, you know? So do you think that when it comes to preparation for something, you know, even athletes in general, um, they do kind of do this kind of preparation and visualization as well. So do you think that the best athletes are maybe the best physically or are they maybe the ones who maybe train themselves most mentally or is it a mix of both? I think it's it's lots of different components because you have to want to be in the competition. There are a lot of athletes that are very good at training and then when they come to the big stage, they kind of don't have that um, mental mindset to be able to make them winners as well. So there's a lot of little things that kind of make an Olympic champion. Okay, so like when you say like maybe they self-sabotage or they, they kind of don't yeah, have yeah. the... They don't have that confidence in themselves to knowing that they are the best. You know, for me, when I do these swims, confidence is, is key. So if anyone had to ask me before the swim, and a lot of people ask me, oh, do you think you're going to manage? It's not possible. And my answer is straight up, yes. And it might sound a little bit cocky, but if I have doubts when I'm standing on, on land with a, with a drink in my hand, uh, you know, then what's going to happen? When what I'm chance do you have when you're actually... Yeah, and that confidence comes from how much training did you put into it. So if I prepared myself well, if I did the training, if I did the, the meditation, if I did everything that I was supposed to, then, there shouldn't, then my confidence is very high. If I started... Oh, I didn't go training today or I didn't wake up tomorrow or I didn't feel like or I kind of didn't really do that properly then your confidence goes down automatically you know it's a cycle yeah 
And what about you? You also teach kids. Um, what about kind of trying to help children build confidence, which is, I guess, it's something a beautiful part of your job, probably, but also it can be quite challenging because of their, their their own kind of yeah. they have their own mindset as well and, and challenges, I guess, these days as well. Seeing so many children, I mean, I teach children from babies from six months up to the competitive level where we see them five, six times a week. So once you see that kind of age group so many times, then you can have an impact on their their life because you're spending so much time with them. So it's a big responsibility, but also a very beautiful one. What's their reaction, I guess, after you after you came back from your... I, I'm quite a hard ass on them, so, <laughs> so um, no, but they do. They do like, like that I'm around. I like being around them and it gives me that time to be a kid as well. You can kind of... Yes, yes. You know, freedom of kind of being a kid for a few hours a day is it's great. In fact, it was one of my questions. Keeps me balanced. One of my <laughs> questions actually is about you as a kid. Like, as a kid, was Nila Juice, you know, Nila Juice dream about where, breaking world records? Did you know you had a gift when it comes to swimming? How, how was Neil as a kid? Neil as a kid was naughty. <laughs> um, uh, Neil was a pest, <laughs> very hyperactive. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a professional swimmer. I, I, I went to swimming lessons from a young age because I almost drowned when I was two years old. In my, you almost drowned? Yeah, in my grandmother's pool, there was, everybody was inside and my, my armbands were on the lilo. I kind of went to get them and the lilo obviously moved forward and I kind of went down. And swimming, drowning is something that is super dangerous because it's silent. It's not like some kids were playing a glass fell and broke and hit their head or whatever, and you can hear it and react to it. So I was outside alone, and my mother wasn't even in the house. And she came back, and everyone was in the kitchen, and she's asked where, where, I, where was Neil. And then she went outside and found me at the bottom of the pool. They got me up, blue, and then I kind of pumped my chest a bit, so I, all the water would come out. I vomited, and then 20 minutes later, I was in the pool again. Okay. <laughs> so kind of these are little things that I never thought of before, but these are little things that showed that I was happier in the water, in the than, water. than out of the water. Um, yeah, and then kind of they sent me to swimming lessons and I was quite, quite good at it. And then I represented Malta when I was older, represented Malta in the Olympics as well. And so it was always my dream to be a professional swimmer. This is what I wanted to ask you. So between, so you went to compete in the Olympics representing Malta at the age of 17. Yeah. And obviously that's quite a massive achievement. I don't know if maybe at the time you, you maybe understood at that age, I'm sure, you know, what, what. Um, but between then and now, did you continue swimming consistently? Did you stop? So I swam till I was 24 in the pool and then I stopped for seven years. Wow. And swimming is a super intense and you need to give a lot of sacrifices for you to be the, the best at it. But what's amazing, I think, is the fact that you stopped for those seven years. And I, I believe that in sports, when you stop for a, for a number of years, I believe that your, your skills and maybe your strength deteriorates. But you're actually, I believe you're 36? Five. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> you're 35. And you've done something that obviously is, is, is incredible to do. And maybe out, out there, sort of the age of 35, even though it's super, super young, it's seen as kind of as an athlete, you know, you kind of time to retire, yeah. you know, but you're here kind of breaking world records and I'm sure you have something else up your sleeve coming up, coming up, I guess, next, next challenge. So, yeah, I think um, being I've moved into this ultra distance kind of scene, then you can swim. It can obviously if you're younger, it's going to be definitely a little bit easier, but I kind of really don't feel like I'm 35. 
don't act like I'm 35. <laughs> Obviously, your body does have a limit to it, but um, I don't feel that's anytime soon. I have quite a number of plans that I really want to want to achieve, um, not only for this for my personal journey of swimming, but also with Wave of Change. So um, they will be. I'm excited to tell people what they are. Obviously, not just yet. There's a lot you want. I feel yeah, like there's, there's a lot. There's a lot, but also. Um, I can't do everything and I have a full-time job at the same time so it's, it's very difficult to kind of balance the two and with the swims that I want to do it's going to take even more time, even more training and like we said that has to be perfect so the confidence is there so you can complete the swim so now it's really about trying to find the right endorsement, the right people who want to get behind me to for me and them to take on this new new journey and really take over not only Malta but Europe and maybe the world. The world, the world. We spoke about Wave of Change a little bit, but in reality, Wave of Change is, is trying to create awareness out there f to reduce plastic waste. So I, I guess, first of all, not littering in the first place. And also, if we see something, we obviously pick it up. I know you had that project where everyone was posting, you know, collecting. Um, but also, maybe start people starting to change behaviors maybe buy less products that are you know made of plastic and all this so i think it's important i want to use this, this platform to to kind of pass on your message you know yeah we, we have a lot a lot of plans and especially to go into schools as well and help them turn green and give the kids awards for being a greener school but with covid it's really we're really limited so we really need to like even me i've been asked to go and give a lot of talks in schools which is something i really want to be doing um, but until I can go physically in person, I won't do it over a screen. I feel like uh, me being present in that room um, makes a big difference um, rather than on a screen. It doesn't really resonate with me at all. But you waited seven years to start this project. I mean, maybe a couple of months or a few exactly. years, you know, we can I kind know, of, it will we're happen. Saying, we're saying each time the next event we'll be able to do this. We'll be able to do that and it still happens. But COVID just hit everyone, slapped yeah. everyone in the face say, and, and kind of yeah. just turned our world upside down and however having said that you broke a world record in the spirit so i think you really yeah i kind of the first one when i wanted to swim from sicily to malta when i kind of was asking for permission everyone was like listen you're mad we're getting containers full of masks and this and that and you're asking me to do a swim how ridiculous um so then i kind of said no i'm still going to do the training still going to train and then if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And I found out two or three weeks before the swim that I could do the swim, so I had done all the training. Um, but it kind of worked at the right time. It was what we needed, it was Malta needed, that we can fight through this, we can still achieve things, even though this is happening, it does not need to be our focus. I just want to touch on um, your, your partner, you mentioned Lara, yeah. um, who seems to be a, a big supporter, an integral part of your team. Um, how did you meet Lara and sort of how does she maybe, how do you feel she, she supports your, your endeavours? Yeah, you know, so we met, we've been together for 10 years, um, so a really long time and we kind of were friends from different groups but in that same circle and uh, one time when we were out we bumped into each other and kind of started talking and kind of, I was quite shy and awkward back then as well so she got me out of that for sure. Um, yeah, and on the swim, she's for me super important um, to be there. It's not easy for her to, to be on the boat, be so close. One, it's a lot of sleep deprivation. I'm seeing me in the water and going through so many different stages and it's, it's tough for her, but she really holds firm and gives me a lot of strength while, 
while I'm swimming, the, the whole team does as well, you know, they, I can only go as long as they take me. Yeah. And they can only go as long as I take them. It's incredible, just, in fact, Lara, she kind of, the internet went crazy right before you jumped yeah. in when she knelt down on one knee and proposed to you. Yeah. Was it really right before you started? I mean, really right. It, it really was really right. Really right, like 10 minutes, I mean, seven that, minutes before. That to me, like, she, first of all, she, she, obviously the connection you have with her, she must have known that it's something that will obviously drive you in a yeah. positive way. But from out there, to, to, to people it might seem like, okay, it's going to be a distraction for him, not in a bad way, but it, it's like, okay, he has this, this kind <laughs> of, is, is not something maybe you visualize, talking about did it maybe throw you off for a few seconds or or was it actually for a second like when she kind of <laughs> told me listen let me speak to you on the side and um, then Kurt took my headphones and I'm like what's, what's happening and then when she started speaking speaking talking to me I was like is she really gonna propose <laughs> really like this is happening and then she kind of went down on one knee I'm like okay it's happening um, no it was it was good it was a really special moment for both of us um, and yeah, I, I think it was the right moment. It's kind of unified where, we, where we've come, especially in the last year. And yeah, it was very, very, very special. And if I may ask, do you have a date? Since the swim, it's been really full on, like doing a lot of these podcasts and meeting yeah. people and turning up at cleanups and whatnot. So we haven't really had time to plan, but we just both know that it's not going to be a sit-down event. So, so probably been this year. Exactly. <laughs> so during the swim, um, what do you feel was the biggest challenge in those 52 hours? What do you recall as like the, the most challenging moment? Um, I think it was this year was really challenging before we even started. We were meant to swim from Tunisia to Sicily and trained for that, prepared myself to do that swim and a few days before when I spoke to the people close to me, to Gordon, he's like, listen, I don't think we're going to have a window. It was um, uh, not possible for the swim to happen. And it was took a while for my ego to accept that I'm not going to do this swim, you know. And thankfully, I have Gordon who is always prepared and planned plan A and B and C. And like when he was doing that, I'm like, what are you planning all these things for, you know? So. He really did come to the rescue and we literally then once we, I accepted it and we made the shift from going from one swim to the other, then everything was smooth and seamless, everything was ready. Everything. But how long before you, you, what was the time frame? Was it a day? We decided that? and then a day and a half later I left. Um, so we kind of shifted to plan B, which was from Linoza to Malta. It wasn't the... The distance was meant to be 150 kilometers still, but with the weather conditions, it was impossible for me to get around Malta and go to the other side. So we had to cut it short to 125.7, um, but it took me 52 hours. Um, what was meant to be kind of the wind against me for uh, two or three hours ended up being 24 hours. So that was super intense. I barely, I barely moved the, the first 24 hours. So how, um, how long would that have maybe taken in different, you know, climates? So I swam 100 kilometers from Sicily to Malta in 28 hours. Okay. I did it in 42 hours um, this year. So 14 hours longer because the current was so badly against me. Like the people, the ones on the team, the ones with experience like Simon and Kurt, and they were like, how is he 
Managing. still in the water. Like, how is he? What is he doing? Like, and it was something that completely took my took over my body, and I was in a in a state of mind that we are going to finish this. We came here to conquer this channel, and we are going to do it, no matter what highs and lows. And there were lows. It was tough. I was hallucinating. I wasn't sure where I was. I was. At the point not believing the team, what they were telling me, I was seeing the clouds as mountains. So I was thinking that they were taking me to Sicily. Um, don't forget, I'm in a very vulnerable position where I'm in the sea. I can barely see anything, you know. And um, it got intense, but the team kind of stood together and stood by my side and helped me get through. And we finally made it to to Gozo. Even for them, when they told me, "Listen, we need to go to Gozo, not Malta," I'm like, "No, we're going to Malta." Like, <laughs> and I just put my head down and kept on swimming. And and then they come again. And I'm like, "Listen, we, it doesn't make like Malta. We're going to, you know." Um, and then they kind of explained further, and I'm like, "Okay, let's let's go to Gozo. Let's just make sure that um, once we've gotten this far, that we." Um, we'll still be swimming a distance that would break the previous world record, which was 124.4. So it was literally by one kilometer. It really takes a village, right? In the sense that it's really you are as good as your team and they are as good as you. And I, I also think that they have done an incredible feat because even they had to obviously be out there for 52 hours. And, and obviously it's a responsibility as well to to have the responsibility to make sure that you are kind of breaking this, this world record. They never thought they were going to be on a boat moving so slowly for 52 hours. It was a long time, like no one expected that. We went from 28 hours, seas, I would think. 28 hours to 52 hours. So we jumped, that was a big jump, you know. Yeah, they kind of see me pulling through in the water. So it, we kind of keep elevating each other's um, capabilities. Our capacity goes up automatically. And obviously um, a lot of news uh, people asked you this and people interviewing asked you this about that, that kind of iconic moment when you arrived on shore and sort of you, you almost fainted and, and all that sort of, how did it feel finally, yeah. you know? An hour before that, I was tripping out completely. I, the sea was red for me. Um, there were people holding up white sheets against the boat, so I couldn't see. In the your boat. head, obviously, there weren't actually people. Yeah, yeah, and there was like a rubble wall in front of me, and this was an hour before. It took me really long to get get to the thing, but once I got closer and I got into the bay, all the, the sea turned back to the normal color, and um, I could see the boat and I could see the people. I can hear the people definitely. <laughs> Um, and once I got closer and closer, it, it calmed down. The, the, the visions that I was getting, the hallucinations calmed down. And, but I knew that when I kind of was going to stand up on, the, on land, that I, my, it wasn't me going to faint. It was my knees not used to holding my weight for so long. Once I sat on that chair, um, where I kind of put my hands mm -hmm. on top of my head like that, and in those few minutes, like, something really incredible happened where it was like I was going through my whole body like a whole checklist okay my toes okay they're there my ankles my knees my my quads my torso my shoulders my head boom okay I'm good amazing and I kind of could stand up and then when they kind of did the tests the doctors kind of ran some tests that everything was fine everything was normal so my oxygen to the blood my blood pressure um, everything was was okay um, uh, and 
inter now because I know you're at the moment you're taking a break obviously to recover um, physically sort of the after I know after your, your throat obviously because of all the salt water you swallowed and was there something some other sort of physical um, effects you had or was it yeah, my whole body peeled peeled because nah, you were cause this is something that obviously you could have worn a wetsuit but obviously to break the world record you yeah. you couldn't wear a wetsuit because and a wetsuit protects you from from I guess from the sun yeah, from the salt from sun. jellyfish and so it it's a protection it and an aid because it lifts you up in the water it makes you healthy okay the wetsuit yeah, yeah, yeah all right so it was even tougher to keep yourself afloat without it yeah 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 but um, hey, it was so tough, I guess. Yeah, this is like the <laughs> hardest kind of category, the way to do it, basically. So, just the last question, who is your biggest inspiration? Is there someone that has inspired you? Um, I always say it, and, and I will always, because they are. Um, there's Thomas Mitsut, who's um, now not uh, such a young boy anymore. He must be 14 now, who I used to go to St. Edward's and take care of him. He had Spina Bivita, and he really showed me how you can do anything you want to do, you know. He had um, any try to keeping up with all the kids his age as well and um, really inspired me to push my limits as well. Um, so him definitely and also Jake Vella who has a serious um, health condition and still come, comes to the pool every day, turns up for training every day and shows that it is possible, you know. These are the people who really really inspire me and probably you I'm sure you inspired them mm -hmm. thank, thank you Neil for uh, being our guest here on the good chat and thank you to everyone who's watching feel free to comment like and share this post um, obviously it helps us um, to share our message and reach other people thank you very much and we'll see you next week for the next episode